Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! Oh, I'm the ghost dog here to haunt you. <laughs> you should have took me for more walks, but now I'm dead. Bark, bark, bark. It does sound too much like a sequel to Ghost Dad, doesn't it? That is probably why I was so <laughs> interested in doing it, yeah. Little little disappointed it wasn't about a ghost dog and it's more about a man but then it is called ghost dog the way of the samurai so anyway hello i'm richard with me to do spoiler filled is anthony hello and abby hello anyway no jamie this time he ghosted us actually no he did say why he, he just couldn't do it this week. He, he didn't ghost us, guys. It's fine. Um, but anyway, the three of us are going to chat about Ghost Dog. The way of the samurai? Question mark? What the fuck does that mean? Anthony? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Ghost Dog. The way of the samurai. Uh, it was released in 1999. It, uh, it's a... I, I... I wouldn't quite say drama I'd, I'd almost say comedy personally but either way it's a crime film uh written and directed by jim jarmusch uh it's about um a mob hitman so, played by Paul sorry sorry i i try not to laugh at you calling him jim jarmusch <laughs> it just sounds very welsh there jim jarmusch all right jim jarmusch <laughs> i thought it was jamush but the, however i say it sounds wrong now jim jim jarmusch Jim Jamush? Sorry. Sorry. Probably just... I'm accepting it. I'm yeah. not saying it again. That's fine. <laughs> no, that's fine. But anyway, who, who, please reiterate who else uh, contributed. Uh, and it is about a, a mob hitman, played by Forrest Whitaker, uh, who lands himself in some trouble with the mob uh, that he works for after a hit goes wrong. Uh, and then he must... He has to find a way to defend himself and his honour... Uh, whilst retaining the code of the samurai, which he has lived by since being saved um, by one of uh, the local gangsters whom he considers his retainer and cannot kill out of honour. The film also stars John Tormey, Henry Silver, Cliff Gorman, Isaac de Bancole, Richard Portnow, Victor Argo and Trisha Vesey. Yeah, I mean, hearing you try and explain the plot... Made me uh, re, made me remember that. Oh yes, most of Forrest Whitaker's character. Well, most of the most of Mister G Dog's uh, problems are self-inflicted because he pretty much chose all the rules he's living by, and has no real motivation to stick to them. It's not even in his interest. So, yeah, he's a he's a. It's certainly a film about a weird guy. Had you seen this before, Anthony? No, I've never, I've never actually seen it. Um, I, re- I remember very distinctly for some reason um, when I was in college uh, having a question on on this film about how uh, I think it was something about how independent films advertise differently to mainstream films or something like that. And, and uh, how do uh, they how do they differ? Anthony? Did uh, you uh, remember your film studies? No. 
nor. <laughs> they are usually um, cheaper. Anyway, go on, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd always kind of just remembered it from that. Just I didn't really know what it was about, but I always just kind of remembered it as a name um, since then. Um, and then when choosing a film this time, I was looking at... Um, However, you want to pronounce his name, <laughs> Jim uh, Yarmush. Yarmush, where are you? I, I just, I realised we've never really touched on anything he's done. But not only that, I've only seen one thing thing of his, which was um, um, the zombie film that he did recently. Oh, recently, What's yeah. yeah. De- the Dead Don't Die, or something like that. Yeah, the dead don't die, and I'll admit I didn't quite get on with it. Nor me, I didn't um, uh, love it. But I did. I also didn't feel like it probably represented his kind of reputation that he has as a filmmaker. So I wanted to do something of his, and I noticed this was one of his, and everything just seemed to click. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, of his movies that he's directed or whatever... I have seen Night on Earth, which is uh, very good. I just my dad's a taxi driver, and I was just thinking about it as a professional. I was like, I wonder if there's any outside of Taxi, the crazy stunt movie. I was just looking into taxi-based movies, and I was like, oh, what's this? And then I just watched it. I quite enjoyed it. Just several small stories of taxi drivers from around the globe. I, I won't spoil anything about that because we're not reviewing it. But uh, I enjoyed that. It was weird. Lots of weird anecdotal bits, lots of good acting and compelling storytelling, but I can't say I knew much about uh, old Jamush, <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> uh, but that title though, Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai, I'm just Ghost, Ghost Dog. What are we talking about? It very, it very much triggered the same pleasing synapse, like the synapses in the brain that makes me like, Ghost Dad, Ghost Dog, they just call it a thing. But, um, <laughs> Then adding Way of the Samurai to it, you're going, wait, what are we talking about? <laughs> and then and then on the cover, you're like, oh, it's some sort of... I mean, it's Forrest Whitaker, and he looks like he's in some sort of uh, urban environment. Doesn't seem to be an ancient samurai. It isn't like a Kurosawa movie type of thing. So it sort of is, I don't know, inexplicable as a, as mm. a concept. So that, that sort of intrigued me. I hadn't seen it, though, so it was all new. Abby, had you uh, seen any of Jamush, Jamush's films? Or I was just trying to think. Oh, because I feel like I should have, but I'm not sure if I actually have. You have no. Yes, this is the only one I've seen, and it has not encouraged me to watch more. So you know, blank. A blank slate for you, Abby. Mm. It's now been filled in with the outline of uh, Forrest Whitaker and his dirty pigeons. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it's certainly... On paper, it's a weird-sounding film. And uh, as it unfolded, I kept thinking... um, But why, though? (laughs) But, But why... Why, like normally a crime thriller, someone gets in hot water through circumstances. You know, usually crimes bring enough trouble as it is. Crime doesn't pay and all that. 
but uh, all all of the um, moments of particular peril did not come out of like I don't know like there's a lot of murdering in it and not a lot of police there is one police person in it but I first felt like normally crime films they escalate naturally anyway and this one sort of artificially escalated I don't know maybe we should talk about it and see if that comes up as as we discuss it uh, but we should dial back right to the beginning I guess and just go through some of the bits and bobs see what we want to talk about right mm-hmm. I think first off I want to ask how did you guys see it did you see it more as a drama or more as a comedy because I think I might be coming off better to it because I see it more as like almost like a parody of both like gangster mob films and samurai films I felt that's like... the thing. I did laugh occasionally, but I'm not sure that that's what they wanted. <laughs> like every time he spun his gun round before he put it, uh... it fucking appalled. Yeah, See, but I think that was on purpose. I think it was supposed. I think this is an absurdist film. Well, I don't know if it was absurd enough. It's odd, but I think there was definite comedy from say so the mobsters in it, though stereotypical. At times, and a little bit, uh, you know, written quite obviously and stuff. But um, they were definitely funny. So, like, the conversations some of the mobsters had with each other, they like question his weird the name of Ghost Dog when they hear when when they find out what's the name of this killer. It's called Ghost Dog. And they're like Ghost Dog, and they discuss it. They go, "Oh, like rappers have names like that, don't they?" Yeah, yeah. And then what's the other example they gave of or Native Americans have like weird names, and then. After that conversation, they also they they then ask for a bunch of like mobster type names, and they ask for like I don't know Jimmy Snakes or something. You're like, fucking everyone has weird names. That's what we're <laughs> establishing here: Native Americans, Italian Americans, like rappers or urban black blokes have cool nicknames or weird nicknames. But like, I definitely felt like the and the fact that one of the mobsters like was pretend or at least. He said he was into like rap music and started quoting it and saying his favorite rapper was F- Flavor Flav. And I think he is uh, rapping on his like when he's on his own in his bathroom, he's like mm. singing along to like some Public Enemy track or something. So I felt like oh, and the the mobs were trying to catch a pigeon. So I felt like they were funny, but I felt like the rest was like like pretentious rather than deliberately satirizing something. It was obviously making a parallel to samurai movies, that was abundantly clear. But um, I didn't think it was a comedy. I thought it was a crime thriller with a theme, if you know what I mean. Like the theme of samurai, yeah? Mm, interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's it's a valid take on it, I think. It's just coming at the end of it, it all seemed so... Like, coming in, I was expecting more of a straightforward kind of, like, crime thing. Uh, and there were, like, bits at the beginning where I, I kind of agree, like, it kind of starts off, like, a little bit pretentious, like, when it's reading, like, the passages um, from, like, the Samurai Code of Law kind of thing. And, like, not much happens at the beginning. There's a lot of, like, slow driving and walking down streets and stuff like that. Yeah, and I was a bit worried then, but like when you 
when it starts adding some of the more like absurd elements, like the the, the pigeons and yeah. and mm. the mafia people and stuff like that, it kind of like starts to click. Like this is a little more absurd, uh, and it's kind of leaning into that in parts. Well, the film it put me most in mind of uh, is the film Leon, which is essentially a. I guess uh, you know an extremely talented hitman who's uh, seemingly a bit autistic. So he's like, like Leon the professional or whatever it's called in like America. Uh, he he's like this hitman who's really good, but has some sort of learning difficulties, and then ends up teaming up with a a young woman uh, and taking on some even even worse bad guys and you know uh, Gary Gary Oldman and stuff and. Like so, but he—it's very much like he doesn't really know why he's a hitman. He just does it because he—he's in that world. Like he doesn't have a very exciting life. And the same with Ghost Dog. Ghost Dog doesn't live this lavish existence. He's not like doing drugs and fucking prostitutes and just living it up because you know he kills people for a living. And he doesn't seem that troubled by killing people. He seems quite into the samurai aspect of it, I guess. So it seemed like the sort of story of a, an autistic hitman, but um, that doesn't strike me as a like a hilarious satire or anything. Just you've tr- chosen a weird protagonist, and I think I felt like the movie felt we should think Forrest Whitaker's kind of cool and an outsider, and uh, you know he's obviously a loner, like they imply, and they say he hasn't really got any friends apart from for some reason as French speaking ice cream truck driver <sighs> there's a lot of weird actually the more the more things you say the weird it does sound very silly and surreal because it's like about a urban hitman who works for the mafia but thinks he's a samurai <laughs> and his friends with an ice cream truck driver who he doesn't speak the same language as and he likes reading books and feeding pigeons. And you're going, what are we... <laughs> what? <laughs> so, I don't know. But yeah, would you, Abby, did you think Forrest Whitaker's character, we were meant to think he was cool? Or that it was slightly amusing that he was a weirdo? I don't know. The the samurai... The interjections of text, which were tedious, sort of suggested it was serious. Because it would be so disrespectful to put it up there for comedy. Because the, the thing it did, and you were groaning very early on, whenever the... Because text comes up and then Force Whitaker... The first time it came up, I was like, no, I hate it when films do this, put up cards of text. The only time this was allowed was in very early cinema when there was no sound. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Star Wars. <laughs> but like... It's fine to... Like, you think the movie starts with, like, a samurai quote that's going to be relevant. You go, fair enough. And then there's another one, and you're like, okay, two. And then you're like, oh, God, they're going to do this the whole way through. Forrest Whitaker is going to start various scenes by reading a piece of this uh, samurai book of codes and laws and shit. And most of them are quite obtuse and hard to understand, and they're sort of metaphysical and ancient so they're sort of like what when a samurai loses their head they can still have vengeance and like fucking you know like they're just to me they were just gibberish 
just like what? Oh, how's that going to be? And then presumably they would be relevant if you're a big, clever, sophisticate, and you understand it, or a fucking samurai nerd or whatever. But I, yeah, they became grating. Did you did you not find them a bit like oh god, not another one, Anthony? You know, like I'll admit I kind of did by the end. I suppose like they did, it, they they did kind of like um, set up a little bit the scene that that preceded them. But yeah, I I, I will. That's that, that was my least favorite part of the movie when it is when it kept doing that. I will admit. It's just because they. It's just uh, after a while they sort of interrupted the flow. If you were getting engaged in it, you were like, "Oh yes, all right." We understand the metaphorical similarity between being a modern hitman and being a fucking samurai warrior or whatever. Okay, leave it like we get it, mate. But I, it doesn't lend that much unless you're a big fucking buff about ancient Japanese history. Then it, it didn't mean that much, and I don't think it was entirely clear each quote what the fuck it meant. Um, but anyway, that's yeah. Okay, yeah, some of them were a little bit vague. Some of them, like, less so. There was, like, no. a weird one about a samurai should always keep a bit of rouge on so he can look good if he's just woken up. Yeah, that, uh, was, a, that was a funny one. <laughs> so, samurai, like, like it's a samurai tip for if they're hungover from a night of sake, they can fucking pop a bit of colour on their cheeks. And he, and Forrest Whitaker interpreted that as, maybe I, mo- uh, maybe I mug a fat guy <laughs> and, and his prostitute so that I can have their clothes to wear what to the next hit. What did you do hit. with that dress? That was under. It was under the suit, I reckon. I <laughs> see. This is a weird aspect of. So Forrest Whitaker plays Ghost Dog. That's his name. Don't question it. Um, he just has one of those. He because so, so, he's like because he's essentially an autistic man, as far as I can tell. Like he has this obsession of samurai, and he's obviously given himself the nickname. No one has called him that as like a. Oh, you're like a ghost dog. The way you. Steal sausages in the night or something. <laughs> just, just one day, a bunch of uh, like urban te- like teens who were going to bully him. They realised he was digging a hole in the backyard, and they go, "Yeah, you, what are you doing out here at night, man? You fucking like a ghost dog, woof woof." Like he obviously named himself Ghost Dog because he thinks it sounds cool. And has listened to too much Wu Tang Clang. Clang? <laughs> That's not right. So no shows how much I know. Wu Tang Clang. Wu Tang Clang. Maybe he thinks, oh, no. it's like ghost. I said it wrong again, didn't I? We Wu- both have a problem with it. We both say Wu Tang Clang. Clang. Because that's what the tongue assumes you're going to do is rhyme. Yeah. To say Wu Tang Clan, it's really difficult. Yeah, well, they find it easy enough to say. Um, but yeah, like Ghostface Killer. I mean, oh, I see. There's a little influence there, maybe. Anyway, Ghost Dog. He's a hitman. He's quite a good hitman. At least he has. He has a briefcase he carries round. He wears like a dark hoodie, uh, and he's got like uh, cornrows. And he's a mysterious, biffy-eyed, chunky black man who doesn't have many friends. And he, uh, yeah, he has a briefcase and gadgets. So he has like. A thing for opening cars, he has a little button box that can unlock cars and start them up, so he doesn't have to like smash them in with a brick or whatever, or turn the like hotwire them. He just drives them off, and he has like a listening device set up in one of the places uh, he's gonna 
it's like a walkie-talkie that he listens in to some bugged device on one of the guys he kills. I think the first guy he kills, like uh, Handsome Frankie or whatever his name is. Mm. And so, what else? He has other. What are the, what are the things does he have in his arsenal of like cool hitman kit? He has that weird. I assume some kind of radio signal jammer or something, which he uses to open various electronic things or start cars. Yeah, well, that's uh, yeah, some mysterious blippy box. <laughs> yeah. and... I will say I like the fact that they had... It was a brief scene, but they had a little brief scene where he had it open and he was... Like, Tinkering with fixing it. it. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know. Just a small detail which made me like, yeah, okay, I can buy this a little more now. That he's got some sort of magic box. Magic box. But he has like his little kit with knives, and the, all of his guns have like homemade silencers or suppressors on, and little cute uh, little LED light to help him shoot people in the face more accurately. And so he's this elite homebrew assassin with his little briefcase of tricks. And the origin story, which is quite crap, is he was being beaten up by some other blokes, and then some fucking mob guy comes and intervenes and kills one of the guys who has a gun. And they both perceive it differently. Like, I think Ghost Dog remembers it being the gun was pointed at uh, the... I can't remember which way it was. The gun's pointed at... Like, the guy, there's a te- there's like a teenager or a young bloke with a gun and he's pointing at Forrest Whitaker. And then the other guy's like, oh, it's pointing at me, so I shot him. But anyway, he's, he's, saved, he's saved from a beating by a mob guy and then it doesn't go into it, but from that day on, it's assumed that Forrest Whitaker will dedicate his life to being a kind of hitman assassin come samurai. Like, he takes on the sort of samurai code as his way of living, but also uses guns rather than swords, unless he's having fun on a rooftop. And so he... But at what point from your life being saved... Do you then learn how to do loads of weird shit with guns and gadgets? Like, how do you learn that? He doesn't have any reason. I guess he has loads of spare time or something. I read it as kind of that was his kind of realisation of this is the world that he lives in and he has to be more like the hitman, the mob guy, in order to survive. Yeah, but the mob kicking your door and shoot you... Or say they have to take a little ride with you and then kill you and bury you in the in the middle of the desert. They don't fucking have a James Bond box of gadgets and uh, like do weird sly things like turn your water off and then shoot you up through the plug hole in an elaborate <laughs> like like hit like Hitman the Game type death seem to go on at sometimes in this film. Abby, were you and uh, did you understand the backstory of Ghost Dog and the mobster who he is? Decided is his samurai master or something. The only way I can think to explain my attitude to his way of the samurai is that I know what he intended and I know what I saw (laughs) and I know the gap in between. It's the gap in between that troubles and annoys me. Because the, the funny thing about it, and it is slightly amusing, is so this this is just a schmoey mid-mob mid guy. This isn't like the Mafia Don. This is a, a sort of presumably made man, but someone who's in a bit of hot water with his own like people. 
he doesn't know that Forrest Whitaker has taken him to be his sort of what's he say? He says you're on a retainer. He, I mean, the guy knows he has him as a, like a go-to assassin. If you want someone killed and you want it to not look like it was the mob, you get your fucking black guy who keeps pigeons. You send him a message. And so he has an arrangement that's quite baffling, but he doesn't know he's this fucking Jedi master to this strange uh, hitman, does he? He's not in on it. He's not, like, training him like Mr. Miyagi, I mean, you know? Mm. So that's odd. So, Abby, do you, do you find it odd that, in the meantime, Ghost Dog has taken a lot upon himself <laughs> in reverence of this schlubby man? I think if... It hasn't have been a mafia guy. Anyone else would have been like, no, you're okay. But it's just because it happens to be a mafia guy and he's like, you're willing to kill for me? Okay, sure. But 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 there's caveats. It's not just, I can just phone up my non-mafia related hitman. It's, <laughs> I have to send messenger pigeons or passenger pigeons <laughs> as one of the mob guys shouts out in a kind of comedy moment. But like, he receives message by carrier pigeon, I don't know, once a month or something. There's some sort of pre-established pigeon sending with messages and he gets paid every autumn for some reason. Something samurai related, no doubt. Did you understand this, Anthony? Like the whole pigeon autumn hitman contract scenario. Um... Knowing how pigeons work, I didn't understand it. Because <laughs> yeah, um, Anthony's dad just... kept pigeons, is why he understands pigeons. He doesn't have powers. Yes. It's very hard to train a pigeon to go to two places. It's either at home or elsewhere. Um, That's but... how I thought it worked. Yeah. But uh, for me, this was just like just one of the absurd things. You know, like... He's not not only is he using carrier pigeons, but then you also get that kind of, um, I'll say Tarantino style thing where you have to, you, in a normal movie you would just see like the pigeon flying back and forth with no problem, but you also get to see like these aging kind of like Italian American mobsters trying to deal with catching a pigeon inside a house. That was funny. How do you rate his technique? Um. It's not the easiest of tasks. Um, <laughs> he did well, I suppose. Got it eventually. Did the guy who often is called upon to catch the pigeon, mm. uh, a la Dick Dastardly and Butley. <laughs> so yeah, it definitely was absurd and funny that uh, these, you know, crime characters were being asked to get a hold of a flappy bird in their apartment in order to request things from their you know, go-to guy. Definitely definitely deliberately funny, no question. But uh, I just, I can't get to grips with how we got from I've been saved from being murdered to, okay, I love samurai. I'm going to become a samurai. I'm going to become an elite hitman and I'm going to use the code of the samurai to sort of um, keep me on a path of righteousness. Also, I'm into reading books and keeping pigeons. I'm going to do those things, and with all the money I make every autumn <laughs> from my retainer I get from the mafia, 
I'm going to invest it in a pigeon coop on a roof and, pi- and a big bag of pigeon food and maybe some cool samurai stuff, but fundamentally, from knickknacks and that, my life is just feeding pigeons, murdering strangers, and, <laughs> like, being a big loser who makes... And eats ice creams. He eats a lot of ice creams in this film. Because, you know, his friend's an ice cream man, in fairness. I just, like, I don't he get him. He threw away half an ice cream cone to <laughs> It was wasteful. But he wastes lives as well, Abby. I suppose the question is, because you don't really get that much detail about his backstory, I suppose like the question is, is his life informed by the Code of the Samurai, or does the Code of the Samurai fit into his life as is, if you know what I mean? I, I think this is a mentally ill man. So he's got... He's obviously able to f- get rid of morals. He never is questioning, should I be killing these people? They're obviously bad people because they're criminals. So he's not. He's not. It's not a moral problem. He has no issue killing people, and he's sort of in. He's pursuing the life of a samurai, murderous as they were. He is. He's being a modern day samurai in his own mind. He's living to the core of the samurai. He. No one else is in on this, and it's often quite baffling to everyone he's around. And so I, I thought of him as like this bizarre, autistic, mentally ill guy who <laughs> is really good at killing, but as he's got a whole thing going on that's all his own baggage. So that's hmm. what I took it to mean. And what happens is essentially the mafia being the mafia, they're like, oh, we've hired a guy to ki- kill someone. Oh, we've, we've decided... Like, that mafia, there's a few old guys all in the back rooms of places because... That's how, apparently what mafia do. They hang out boringly in the back room of somewhere um, all day long. They're just a bunch of middle-aged men in schlubby clothes sitting but there. That's, kind of, that's like one of the things where I think it's kind of like a parody because... It's like a trope. Every, yeah, it is. It's taking all the tropes, but then it's kind of like also making them absurd because they're all like really old kind of guys and they look weird. Especially like the like the main boss guy. He's got like a weird face and very stoic. Oh, looking. the guy who didn't blink for the longest time. Yeah, yeah. And then also like the guy with like the hearing aids who keeps shouting weird stuff. Yeah, he's like a thinner. I want to remember it. Passenger pigeon. It's a passenger yeah. pigeon. They've been called passenger pigeons since 1914. <laughs> I'm glad that's the quote you chose to do. Yeah, he was the more uh, free-flowing with <laughs> racism. But they do have a kind of a trio of guys. And I, I, okay, so you're saying parody, and I'm saying I was annoyed that all of these mafia guys were too old. Like, they must be a really crap mob because they're all too old to be doing standing outside mm. doorways and wait. they should be living a, you know, the luxury life of having, you know, done it all before and lived to tell the tale and fucking... They should have young guys running around doing the shit they're doing. So they felt like a kind of failure mafia to me. And maybe that's on purpose and funny. But Yeah, I think that's on purpose because there are, there are scenes where, like, the guy is trying to pay rent to, to like people. a Chinese and, guy? Yeah, and they're like, say, if you don't, you know, you owe me three months' rent. If you don't pay it up, I'm calling the fucking cops. Kind of thing. So, so they, I, I they are they're a comedy mafia to... characters. 
yeah, they're supposed to be kind of like I think they're supposed to be like a parallel because they're because they themselves are you you could parallel them with kind of like the samurai culture where they're like a, an aging kind of old institution I'm going to call it say institution I can't think of a better a, word a bunch of lords in like if it was samurai times in Japan it would be whoever the lords and emperors are the sort of whoever's in charge of samurai. They're sort of a silly version of them where they're they're sort of inept and not as they're not worthy of of the treatment that Forrest Whitaker's giving them, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I but I I just read it as oh, this is a, like I, I I was like this is crap. Could you not have done believable mafia characters that aren't so goofy? But um, okay. If that I mean the, I could I could see your point of view. Um. The main problem, no, the main thing though is that they decide, okay, this guy's killed for us, but we killed one of our own, so we're dicks, and we're gonna kill the hitman. We have to murder the hitman as vengeance for the guy we decided to kill, and we hired the guy to kill him. There was also some confusion with a, a, one of the mafia guy's daughter was there, and she wasn't supposed to be. And uh, so uh, anyway, ghost dog <laughs> kills a guy. In his, his like stealthy, cool way, the young girl, who is the daughter of one of the mafia guys, is also at the apartment this guy's in. Now she doesn't react to him in a normal manner. She seemed like kind of stunned or something, but she sits there, watches this bloke she's with get killed, and then let the guy instead of killing her notices she's got the book Rashomon, and then she has a sort of weird. Does anyone remember what she says to him to like not? She just says, oh, it's a good book or something, isn't it? Hmm. Do you know my dad? Like, th- she doesn't react like she's just what witnessed a murder and could be killed seconds from now, does she? What was that about? Can you... Any thoughts? I suppose you could argue that's the kind of life she's used to. Just, mm. And she's a bit desensitised to it. Yeah, but I... Like, she doesn't... She's not, like... Definitely stoned or out of a tree or like an angsty teen who wants to die. I don't think there was not much no. to the character. For her, there wasn't any thing. She just hang about with all these mafia guys, her dad and his cronies. Abby, what you did you did this make sense to you? This bit where he spares her life and then lends her book. It makes sense that he spares her life because he was only contracted to kill one person. And it was not her. She's a witness, though. Like yeah, a normal hitman would probably kill the witness. But that would be against his code. Oh, and also, you know, she's a girl. And a, you know, yeah, thing, sure. Because there's that whole thing about, like... It's much, much later, but they, they kill that um, female cop and one of the... Um, I can't remember his name. The pigeon catching guy. <laughs> well, I was talking about how you, 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 I hope you know you just killed a woman. And the pigeon guy says, they want equality, I made them equal. I was like, yeah! Sort of, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's twistedly woke of you to murder her equal opportunity cop killer, pigeon guy. Yeah. I, I guess. I guess I'm a board. Yeah, that, I mean. <sighs> My problem with this film 
isn't so much the tone as I liked everyone but the main character. Yeah, I think that's it really. Is I I don't don't get on with Ghost Dog. I kind of find the mafia interesting in it, and I don't care for his French friend. I don't think he added much. But I I didn't really like. I couldn't understand what the girl. A girl comes in later on, so she's the daughter of the mob guy. She's spared, and then she sort of. I don't know, there's almost like the passing of the torch when a lot of the Mafia's dead. She is driving away with the surviving members or member. And it's like, oh, she's in charge now. It's like, well, is she, is she even a character? <laughs> she just likes a samurai book and that seemed to be enough to placate a murderer long enough to leave or whatever. Mm. I don't know. And then she was just sitting about when another massacre happened and... She didn't. It was mysterious, and there weren't enough answers for me about her. I don't know. I think it was kind of setting up a little parallel with the the other young girl that um, comes up to Ghost Dog for no yeah. apparent reason. I know it's everything happened for no reason in this film. Like so, he's sitting in a park bench where he often hangs out, enjoying the other men in the park who like to rap and watching dogs stare at him and things. And then a girl, a nosy girl, comes up and starts talking to him about her lunchbox. And he has like a case, she's got a lunchbox and they just talk about the books she has. Does anyone remember, anyone remember the books that she's reading? The Wind in the Willows. That's right, yeah. There's definitely one about a weird nurse, one night mm. nurse or something. That's the last yeah. one. That's a porn book, but she didn't know that. She just liked the cover. Yes. There's the middle one. It was... It was a grown-up one. Yeah, I don't remember what it was called either. But he was saying how he'd read them all, right? And he like he sort of recommended a book to her, or lent a book to her, right? Because mm. he's a big book nerd. He's into pigeons and books and killing people and the samurai code and gadgets and ice cream those are his fun things and he's made a friend at a park bench and it's a little girl and then he then he like introduces the girl to his ice cream French speaking ice cream van friend What's, what was their relationship about? I don't know I feel like it because of the way he is, uh, it, it to me it kind of felt like that's the closest he's willing to get to someone. Is you know he'll hang out with this guy, but he doesn't. They can't really understand each other. There was some confusion as to whether we were not meant to have subtitles that worked. We all didn't have subtitles for the French guy. Is that right? Yeah, and I think that 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 worked. Apparently they were supposed to be subtitles, although I feel like it, it, it was fine without them, because the point is, he couldn't understand what he was saying, so why should we understand? Yeah, that, that's what I figured. It's a bit confusing when there's lots of French talking, and you're like, okay. <laughs> but no, you're right, I think it was okay to not know, unless he said something very prescient. Ah, but you, you said you could interpret some of what he was saying from your, I don't know, GCSE-level French... Yeah, it is from the stuff I could understand. It was pretty like reasonable stuff. Like he was, he was worried that the uh, uh, ghost dogs boss stopped by while Ghost Dog wasn't there, 
and he had his arm in a sling at the time. So he was talking about the guy in the arm in the sling who he'd mistaken for someone who was going to like deport him or something like that. But Ghost Dog being differently. And he was just worried about stuff, complaining that people didn't understand him. Yeah. You know, pretty like, normal. Normal things like, would you like chocolate or vanilla? Would you like a game of chess on my van windowsill? <laughs> There's an ongoing game of chess with Ghost Dog that they just leave on the side of the ice cream truck and go for a walk. And they, presumably the French guy's like, oh, hang on a minute. I want to show you a boat on a roof. Come with me. We leave the chess and the ice cream van. Come to a rooftop. Look, there's a person making a boat. Hello. Hi. That's weird. How's he going to get it to the sea? It's on a roof. And you're like, what the fuck is happening? I do like stuff like that about cities. Like, as a general comment on cities, I enjoy stuff like that, where it's like, this guy's doing a thing that's absolutely mad. Because that's what happens in cities. Excuse me. And the Bible, good old Noah. Where what? is this set? Where? Hmm. I'm not sure. Is it like it felt like you know a city like Baltimore or I don't know, could it have been LA or something? What, what did anyone know? I think it's deliberately vague. Okay, I was so, just wondering because it it feels like a actually it feels like an LA thing hmm. to have a guy building a boat on his roof. Yeah, the eccentrics live in all cities, though, don't they? Mm. But I don't know what, like this had nothing to do with the the sort of ongoing plot, which is revolving around the fact that one of the the mafia have decided we have to kill our own hitman because reasons we're jerks, and we we're gonna needlessly get rid of a like because the guy who hires uh, Ghost Dog, old uh, Sling guy, he is saying like, oh, he's a good asset, and we don't like. Don't kill him. Like, we we did decide to kill the guy we killed, yada yada yada, but I guess, you know, if we have to, if you're going to really press me on this. So they, they, the Mafia have come up with their own little plan that they're enacting, which is to murder a murderer, and they, they're kind of crap as well, like, so they sit down and question the guy, and they're like, so who is this hitman? Tell us. Look, I don't know much. What I do know is... He's black, he keeps pigeons, we contact him via pigeons, and I pay him every autumn. Don't ask me too many questions. It's a long story. This was one of the scenes of maybe two where the really intense-looking guy showed a depth of character that we were tragically not allowed to probe. Saying stuff like... He appreciates how he uses birds and how he's old-fashioned. He appreciates, like, literary references. And when they're not doing things, he's simultaneously reading a book, smoking, eating, and watching cartoons on television. It's just this guy. Yeah, there's a lot of unexplored stories. (laughs) Interesting. I I know know it's a film thing, like, things things that happen in the film are prescient to the things that are going to happen. But I felt like all the time, the particularly the mafia would like the, this guy was always watching old cartoons where the imagery was absolutely relevant. So, like Felix the cat was like had his magic bag of tricks when they were doing ghosts, uh, suitcase full of you know assassin equipment. There were lots of cartoons with guns and bullets and people being killed, but they were all old cartoons that he would turn off midway through. I was like, why do you, you keep showing us like old-fashioned cartoons just because it's apt? Do, was, do you think, Anthony, there was any other 
deeper thing they were going through, or was it just an attempt at something clever? Again, like I kind of feel like it's it's a like a pastiche of 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 the trope of using like old films and stuff within the film to to parallel what's going on in the film, and the fact that they always choose they always choose cartoon, no matter who it is, everyone is watching a cartoon, just like adds to the absurdity of it all. Oh, sure. I, Maybe. I think it partially had to do with how cheap the licensing was. <laughs> True. That could have helped. <laughs> but they could just use it as easily found old gangster films that did the same thing. Yeah. That's true, or actually, old samurai movies or something. Oh, anyway, it's sort of amusing, <laughs> I suppose. Um, but, uh, so, th- they're quite crap as well, because they don't realise the, the, the mob. They don't realise, okay, he's got pigeons, we send messages to him to get him to do hits. How are we going to get him? I guess we'll just explore every rooftop of the vicinity and kill anyone vaguely black or fat who keeps pigeons. Like, they, there's two guys that... Two old guys with, like, sawn-off shotguns or whatever approach... I don't know, some quite obscure... Like, there's a big fat guy on a roof with pigeons with long hair. He's, like, some sort of horn. I can't remember where he said he was from. And I think he was Native American. And he's really, like, not bothered that they're pulling guns on him. He's just staring at them, like... They're even saying, should we... not give a fuck. <laughs> he's like, should we kill him anyway? And he doesn't blink an eye, like, I'll just accept whatever happens. But he kind of just, you know... I think he calls them pricks when they, like... Or something, when they shoot one of his pigeons and decide Stupid not to Stupid white him. men, I think. Yeah, and fair enough. They, so the mafia are trying to kill just various pigeon owners. Uh, your dad, luckily, have, uh, survived the, their attempts. Anthony, you'd be relieved, I'm sure. <laughs> um, luckily, he doesn't keep them on a roof or, or, or at all anymore. But um, if he'd have been in LA or somewhere keeping them, never know. Oh, he's not black either, so or vaguely black. He also wouldn't have shot them. He would have systematically suffocated them and then thrown them over a wall. Jesus. <laughs> it's specific, Abby. Well, that's what he did, isn't it? Let's not, let's not get into this anecdote. <laughs> let's keep this under our hats. Please. <laughs> My father, the pigeon slaughterer. Oh, dear. Um. Anyway, they're quite crap. Because I straight away I was like, oh, just send uh, Ghost Dog a message saying, go to this address, kill, you know, made-up guy number two. Uh, and then when he goes in and investigates, just walk in behind him and shoot him in the back of the head. You might have some trouble, because he's such a clever assassin with all of his gadgets. Um, but, you know, just tell him to go somewhere and kill him. That's, isn't that Mafia 101? <laughs> but they have to go botch that all up. Um, or whatever. I don't know. Actually, another facet of Ghost Dog. We see a lot of scenes. I think you implied that he does a lot of just driving around and just slowly we get to know him. And his way of killing people is first he take puts on white gloves and breaks into a car and steals it and then puts in a CD. He has like a little collection of CDs which he flips and puts in the CD player and listens to various songs. Uh, sometimes by the producers. I think uh, RZA or RZA who is in it as a brief hello, 
I'm wearing camos, and I know you, Ghost Dog. Nice to meet you. Like, but he plays various songs and drives to wherever his hit is in a stolen car, which is okay. That's better for tracing him, I guess. Like, he can't be traced if he's stolen the car. But what else does he... He has, like, um... What's the other route? Oh, yeah, he mugs that. We mentioned he mugged, like, a random passerby to get a different outfit for some reason. And to I'm be... so glad when he changed his clothes. The idea of how much he must smell for how long he wore those other clothes. Well, just a bird shit, mainly. Like the fucking pigeon woman from Mary Poppins. <laughs> or any pigeon woman from any film, like Hello, Hello, uh, like Home Alone or something as well. She's like a pigeon lady. He's one of the great pigeon ladies, isn't he? Ghost dog. <laughs> I've brought you two turtle doves. One for you and one I will keep. <laughs> Let's not forget that he had a full-on conversation with a pigeon. Well, he's a kook. Mm. He does keep pigeons. You're going to talk to them, I think. I'm guessing that's literally the only people he does talk to. Yeah. But, like, was there any other bits? Like, he has loads of clever ways to kill people, but they're fundamentally just uh, gadget-based, aren't they? He's just very slick otherwise. Mm. But he does have this routine. He steals more than one car. He steals about three or four in the film, all of which he puts his little twisted CD into and, I don't know, gets in the zone. I presume he thinks about samurai shit again in his head. I think we're meant to think he's cool, and I did not for one second think that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's kind of like the the. I think it's trying for the balance. It's kind of it is kind of pastiching the, the he's the cool assassin, uh, and kind of like cool lone samurai kind of thing. But then also, I think you're supposed to be like, well, you know, obviously this guy has issues because he he can't really connect with anyone. That's a weird social life. He really he chooses to be apart from everyone else. He does all of his business like in the black of night, in deserted streets. Yeah, he's a loner because he has his little pigeon shed that he lives in. But he just doesn't seem to be living life with his money. I don't know. But he has this way about him. What? Who else does he has? A few people. He once he realizes, basically, his the guy who hires him. Uh, they botch like he he they botch killing him or like no there's the there's a confrontation in there like on a on a street corner where ghost dog kills the guy who's trying to kill him and then the talks to his boss or the guy who hires him right the guy he has on retainer hmm. yeah because due to his you know his code he can't kill him because you know he's his master essentially so weird but the, the the I quite like the the guy who's having who like quite bags under his eyes. He seems quite tired. Of he knows like he's in trouble with his own like group, so he knows this is kind of a difficult situation. He could be killed as well as uh, Ghost Dog. So and he basically says once you once uh, he's Ghost Dog confronts him, he's like, "You should just kill me." <laughs> This is not going to go great for either of us. You should kill me. And then he actually tells him to shoot him. He knows the jig's up. And then the ghost shoots him in the shoulder and it's like, it's fine, I've killed your fr- I've killed your associate. You've been shot. It'll look like a botched hit on me and I got away and it'll be plausible to your like uh, colleagues or whatever. And it's just like, oh... But it does, like, so, so he sort of spares his life or whatever or 
creates a sort of plausible deniability from this this guy who then has to wear the cast or the, the sling the rest of the film. But then it so for me it doesn't make sense that this is the once everyone's dead, like Ghost kills everyone eventually, except this guy, and then that guy has no reason to hunt down Ghost Dog because, like everyone else is dead, no one's going to hold him to the contract now, right? You know what I mean? No, but then you you could say like, like the mob has its own kind of like samurai code as well. Like I can't let this slide till everyone's dead. That, so. Yeah, that he has to stick to as well. Because it's only the daughter, really, that's the only person left in the family by the end of the movie to, for him to associate with, I suppose. But it's not like it's his... It's, he shouldn't care that much, because, you know, whatever. He gets shot twice in the shoulder. I'd be quite knocked at that point um, by the end of the movie. But but the, a big chunk of the exciting bit, I suppose, is Ghost Dog taking on the bulk of these old mafia guys. And one of them is just mainly one hit. Like he's got, he gets his um, rifle out, does he? And he's going to do a, a distant kill on the main guy. But uh, I don't know, like a bird. He's looking at a woodpecker initially, and then some bird lands on his scope just as he's about to make the shot. And then he's like, "Huh, missed my opportunity." But like all good samurai, I got a piece of samurai trivia that'll help me out. All good samurais know. The best way to kill anyone is to launch headlong into it without thought and kill everyone. So then he basically goes down and uh, tries to persuade them he's there for something and then hits hits one fat guy with a car door and starts killing them all, bursts into a house and starts murdering uh, mafia guys left and right, doing that weird slow-motion delay thing. What did you guys make of that weird visual effect they chucked in for no reason? Again, I think it's it's just another one of those kind of like absurd moments, like cool gun Carter shit. Like yeah, I I think all I think most of these decisions are deliberately done to be either a little bit comedic or just kind of like show the absurdity of it all. I just think it was absurd, and they I don't know if how intentional it was. I think they, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Abby, what do you think? I think, well, the problem is with arguing whether or not it was intended uh, satirical or funny, I I didn't find it funny. (laughs) All the stuff they did, it didn't amuse me. I was just fucked off by it all. Maybe dial it up a bit more if you're going to go for absurd. I don't know. But do you find it at least exciting when he starts murdering all these guys? I mean, you might be watching this for the action, and it does provide some of that, one way or another. And I think those similarities to a scene in Gross Point Blank, and I just... Gross Point Blank's better. (laughs) (laughs) Another one where it's the, the Hitman story but it's not the it's not really about the fact that he's a murderer it's focused more i guess on the on the rom-com element of that one or something probably i haven't seen it in a while how so there's everyone's murdered and it's quite funny actually when they're shot they're sort of it's not that blood splatter violent stuff it's a lot of people the bullet goes through and they die and they fall down and stuff and there's quite a weird like one of the guys like confronts the main guy sort of stands up and is ready to take on ghost dog 
and then it looks like, oh shit, this guy's gonna fucking man up or something, and then Ghost Dog just shoots him, and he sort of dies, falls into his chair, and it looks quite funny. <laughs> so again, mm-hmm. it, that's more points that it was deliberately amusing on purpose. But that leaves two random, like it's one of the three mob boss guys, and his henchmen are left to do at the end. I felt like it was weird they'd like left them out just so we could have a one-off hit at the end. What happened? So that one was like another separate time. We had to like, oh, I left this guy out. I better go kill rapping middle-aged mobster guy and his again watching cartoons, mafia um, henchmen. Does anyone want to talk a little bit about the clever sink-based execution or what preceded it? Clever. <laughs> <laughs> well, before that, he put tape on the window to help silence. He has suppressors on his gun, but he used tape for some reason on the window to kill the other guy, did he? Yeah, I think that would stop the the glass from totally shattering and causing a lot of noise. Right. But yeah, again, it's kind of, it's, it, it's, it's absurd. I mean, you see the exact same thing essentially happen in a cartoon where someone like fires guns up a pipe and then it's coming out of a, of a shower head. Yeah. Kind of thing. And then we, we see that, this is the odd thing, right? He cuts the power to the water off or whatever, does Ghost Dog. When you, when you water Ghost, do you stare down the plug hole normally? <laughs> Maybe the tap's not working. I better look down the plug hole, see if the water's down there. I was thinking that. It's like, why Why would your first reaction be, let's look down the plug hole? But then they did kind of like shine the light up, and I suppose then there's a kind of curious, what the hell is that kind of thing? But it's an LED. Why would it, it would just be on the ceiling? It wouldn't like. There's no way you would have. You just go. Oh, that's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like when you when you watch this with someone, which I did, who does like plumbing for a living. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get reminded that uh, how absurd it is because uh, it wouldn't even be you, Ben's. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like at the bottom of the house, and somehow, like, pretty much all piping in the house instantly has a turn on it. Like, whether it's the toilet, the sink, or anything else. Yeah. Why would um, why would removing the U-bends take the water away from the taps? Oh, he took. Yeah. He and oh, he just. I don't. It doesn't make any sense. The U-bend is there to it. First of all, it creates a water lock, so any uh, stagnant or waste air that's in the pipe can't breach that water lock. Mm-hmm. So the so smelly air doesn't come back up. And then secondary, it also acts as a if something falls down the sink, it'll you can get, it. get caught up in the U-bend. Yeah, that's why you can go get your wedding ring out of the U-bend and stuff, when you lose shit down the sink. Mm. Bit of uh, insider info, lovely. But in terms of movie making, they wanted him to shoot up a pipe for some reason. So they did, and have him kill. Also, the guy parks his car in his garage, sticking out so the garage door doesn't fully come down, so people can easily sneak into your basement. And I thought, you put tape on the window to silently kill one guy, you could have snuck in the bottom of the house and just been like a fucking, well, like a ninja rather than a samurai, but it seems odd. 
that he was like, I'll shoot one person through the window and then sneak in. I don't know. It was kind of stupid. Um, I will say, though, if you guys didn't enjoy the old mafia guy singing hip-hop songs, then I can't be that was funny. anymore. That was funny. That was, that was beautiful. <laughs> his fa- his favourite rapper is Flavor Flav. It's like, okay, I mean, he's a hype man. I wouldn't really... I mean, Chuck D is the is the meat and veg of Public Enemy, but sure, you like Flavor Flav. He is very funny. Um, but I, I felt like it was very good of the actor, clearly who didn't have any interest in rapping, but had done a good job of memorising all the information and rapping all of the lyrics very well. Like a, yeah, because that's kudos. not easy. Fair play to him. He's singing along in a, in a fun way. I would have I would have preferred this film if it had been more of a blend of kind of hip manny stuff and urban culture. I, I was kind of surprised. I thought, based on the poster, it would be more sort of black criminals, like kind of drug dealers and I don't know, like I don't know, some sort of black American gang, and he is the one in the group who's the better assassin because he's into he's got the samurai code. I thought it was odd really to mix it with mafia stuff because. It would maybe fit into a kind of more, more like like Boys in the Hood or Colors or something where it's about Crips and Bloods or something. But the fuck Ghost Dog, he's a samurai, so he's fucking, you know, more elite than all the other guys in the in the gangs. But it, no, it just took this me versus the mafia thing to the extreme. What was Ghost Dog's downfall? I mean, he has the odd stare off with a dog that looks at him. I don't know what that was about either, but he basically has one final confrontation after he's already succeeded, right? What else happens to Ghost Dog? Oh, all his pigeons were killed. We didn't mention that. Um, they sort of murder his pigeons in, in lieu of him. But what what's the old uh, problem with Ghost Dog? He gets in trouble at the end. I can't quite remember what the climax built from. Anyone? It's probably because we were sleeping. No, we weren't oh. sleeping, Abby. <laughs> We were going, oh, not another bloody samurai quote. Oh, yeah, that's the reason I don't know. Every time a sam- every time a samurai quote came up, my eyes rolled back in my head like The Undertaker and I didn't look back for at least a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, do you recall? I mean, there's various chats with an ice cream man and the little girl comes back and... I know, Forrest Whitaker gives a lot of his weapons in his suitcase to his friends. Yeah, I feel like there he's kind of like accepted because because of his code he can't kill his like his master guy and then he kind of realizes that if he can't kill him then he's going to die by his hands so i think he's kind of at that point kind of like accepted that that's going to happen he can become a ronin he can go rogue and not be a masterless samurai and suddenly live for himself i mean they killed all his pigeons Pretty mean. It was pretty mean. But that the one code. pigeon is the only creature that lived from that whole rooftop. Yes, it flew back at opportune times. Also, this guy, before his pigeons were dead, he hangs out like he's dead. He lies on the ground amongst the bird food, does ghost dog, and just lets the pigeons peck around him. But he, I thought he'd been murdered when we first see him on the rooftop, lying there. I was like, what the, have they killed him already and we missed a scene? But I thought, he's a weird, he's a weird, weird guy. I'm glad he's dead. 
I'm glad he had a showdown that he lost. He didn't lose it in a kind of, oh no, you outgunned me. He just let the his master, who has been forced into this predicament, shoot him to death in the middle of broad daylight in front of witnesses. And they took ages and the police were nowhere to be seen. Oh, sorry, unless you're driving through the countryside and then you just pull over mafia guys apropos... Just, I don't know, looking suspicious. They'd come from the massacre. The pigeon catching guy and the the dog's master were escaping with a young girl from the massacre. And then they shot a policewoman. That happened. But also, simultaneously, Ghost Dog shot some hunters who'd killed a bear out of season as well. Oh, yeah. That was just in there, guys. I almost forgot. Just two camouflage-painted-up white... Hunter rednecks, and they they have this black bear that they've clearly murdered, and then like Forrest Whitaker just picks a fight with them because I guess he likes bears and doesn't like them. It was the most endearing thing about him was when he shot those two men. I was like, "Fuck yeah, you kill those guys, bastards!" Something, something. Bears are symbolic. Warriors consider bears sacred or worthy of sort of samurai bullshit. Not equals, I think it was. Like. Yeah, but there was nothing tight and nothing. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the mafia story. It was just I'm going to kill some random dudes on the side of a road. Uh, kind, kind of. I, I, you could say like the bear is kind of a bit symbolic of of Ghost Dog himself. They they do say like the you know you don't see many of these in these parts these days, and when you see one, you you shoot it. The kind of the idea that Ghost Dog is like the kind of last of his kind, if you will. It it, it felt like the sort of thing that would happen in a samurai movie. Like a samurai would, like in in uh, you know in Yojimbo or Rashomon or any of the sort of movies about samurai. A lone samurai would have incidents where okay, they go into this town and they settle a score. They have like a you know, a duel with someone, and they, or they triumph, or maybe they rescue or avenge a bear. You could understand that happening as part of a longer samurai story. Maybe it does parallel some real stories or something. But uh, it didn't actually fit in with anything that was going on otherwise. Just the endless car changing and like glove wearing that uh, Ghost Dog does to kill people. Anyway. Eventually, he is in this... Not not really a duel. He lets the guy kill him. Mm. He just takes the bullet in an overly manly way, like a kind of pulp samurai movie would be a stoic hero just not feeling pain. And then he eventually just slumps over and is left with the French guy and the kid watching and kind of screaming on. And he disregarded his gun, and I think at some point the little girl picked it up. And looks like she's going to shoot this guy in the back. But, uh, Abby, what did you think happened? Well, she pressed the trigger, but it didn't fire. So either the safety was on, or he was out of bullets, one or the other. It's an odd choice to have her not do it. Because, I mean, it's more... It doesn't ruin her life. She doesn't become a murderer at age fucking ten or whatever. But, also... She sort of... She's got his book. Like, he gave her some sort of... The samurai book that he's been quoting this whole time. And mm. so there's an, a passing on of the torch. I don't know why. I don't know why you're ruining a girl's life by giving her a code of violence to live by. But And they also, they've only met a couple of times. 
I don't know. She, there's an implication that she might be being handed the torch of Ghost Dog, but she doesn't succeed in firing it, and instead the mob boss gets away, and eventually the young woman who's in the car that he escapes in, she seems to take charge of at least the mob aspect of things. I didn't really know what to make of this ending in terms of nobody ran away when there was a shootout. The French guy seems very confident that he's not going to be shot. I think this was their kind of like um, supposed to be their like Rashomon moment where you've got like this, this big act of ghost dog dying but you've got like about four or five different perspectives from people who know him from very different things. Right. And how they all will be kind of like affected from by this in the future. So he's left his mark on all these people's lives because of how eccentric and uh, like murderous he was. And they all mm. will take something else from the, the story or the, the interactions. So like a, a big moment in all of those people who were there, all the people who were there's lives, you're saying? Yes. And yet they're, they're all going to have very different perspectives on, on it. Because like first, first of all, you, you'd have uh, his master guy who, who sees it as his kind of like duty to do, even though he's, they are kind of friendly. Yeah. Like there's, there's still that kind of like respect between them. And then you have like the the girl mafia daughter, who has only met this guy who has murdered all the people she knows. Oh, she I'm gets sure her book feels, back. Yeah, some sort of justice. His friend who is uh, distraught, and then the little girl who is like angry and wants to kill them, kind of thing. Yeah, I. I think because the mafia daughter was so mysterious and didn't react to the murder, like maybe it is a complacency due to having grown up in a violent household or something, but I thought she was the most like, eh, you haven't earned this weird ride off into the sunset, I'm in charge now thing. And I felt like so, so many of the stories, there wasn't enough there. Like, okay, so the ice cream guy has a necklace with a key that uh, unlocks the suitcase full of both his gun and ghost dogs violent kit of things oh wait 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 wait! i just want to briefly mention the the um the it's hidey all... hole in ghost dogs floor yeah where you have to remove one tiny piece of floorboard to get the key then you have to do like a slide puzzle with two other floorboards to get to the lock which then opens the floor which gets out the case other secret compartment in, in his like uh, loft hideaway. Like, Very cool. Like, yeah, when he had got the key, out, it was like ooh, and then when he started sliding those other ones, it was like oh. <laughs> yeah, the twirling the gun, no. His lame necklace, no. His general demeanor and biffy eye, no. I mean that's Forrest Whitaker's eye. In fairness, no offense. Uh, but everything else about him, lame. But I mean, what maybe one or two of his pigeons are all right. But the slidey door key scenario, the very, very sly. Because you might find the key, but you won't necessarily know to slide the bits of wood across, will you? And then you've got your little stash of stuff. He could have been much more interesting. Very boring living he made, considering he had such a cool little, uh, albeit low-rent HQ on his, on his roof. I don't know. I feel like we, this could have a prequel. 
Corpse Dog, the early years, where we see his other hits, where he's a fucking cool assassin and how he establishes his, I don't know, reputation as a fucking hard bloke who goes to the bird shop <laughs> to get seeds or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I really, it's a really weird film. I, I'm kind it of surprised is. people rate it so highly. I don't, maybe Anthony, they're on the same page as you. They understand the satirical nature. Or maybe they just like, they don't think of the cliches that much. They just enjoy how fucking rad they think Forrest Whitaker is in this. I don't know. But I thought it was fucking ridiculous. But not really ridiculous. Not like ha ha ha, laugh out loud ridiculous. More sort of embarrassing ridiculous. You know? <laughs> like, oh god, what is this? You know, t- I felt like it was very much pretentious as well. Not satirical, pretentious and lame. You know, like it fell the wrong way for me, I think, overall, mm. I would say. Any noteworthy bits and things we might have missed out? Uh, don't know what to make of the dog staring at him other than it's some sort of spirit animal thing, I don't know. Maybe he's just smell of pigeons. So he, the dog was like, fuck's wrong with you, buddy? Smell like, <laughs> smell, well, like a, smell like a chicken. They sort of inferred that it was some sort of, like, primal understanding of each other and if you know anything about dogs there is this sort of like the bigger dog is the leader of any group of dogs Mm. but at the same time they didn't make anything out of it so it's just pure speculation on my part it's from time to time ghost dog stares at real dog non-ghost dog (laughs) i don't know and uh, that's it you just go that's weird dog behaves all weirdly around you well, I don't know. It's just um, just altogether quite a weird mix of ideas. Uh, but, I, you know, there was enough funny in there to counterbalance the more frustrating elements, I suppose. So I've, seen, I've de- definitely seen worse crime thrillers with a similar tone. But uh, it didn't do it for me. Anthony, have you got any final thoughts? Um, just reiterating that... Uh, I, I, I think I benefited from seeing it more as a kind of like parody, absurd kind of look. I think it, it's trying to kind of like marry the kind of like, uh, I suppose you'd call it kind of like pretentious independent film with kind of like just absurd comedy, but all very kind of like low key. So I yeah. can understand why, like, maybe it wouldn't be picked up on, and then you would only kind of like see the pretentious bits. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously a, a genre mashup: the samurai meets the urban crime movie meets I don't know a mafia thing, like. So it's it's definitely blending all the cool things that presumably quite, uh, just the things that boys are into at a certain age was like fucking rap music and murder and mafia movies, but also samurai movies and fucking, I don't know, books, I guess. <laughs> like, it just, it, it seemed like a lot of people were bringing the things that interest them all into one movie to make this strange kind of half Tarantino, half something else movie. I don't know. It felt very, it did feel very 90s. A lot of people were making these sorts of crime thrillers where they're a little bit edgy, a little bit, you know, 
nerdy and odd and and had unusual characters in them and were a bit more pithy and and strange and cool but this one didn't land cool for me but um yeah i don't know i think i think i know i think i've cottoned on something go on i think they did want to satirize and slightly poke fun of this kind of thing but at the same time they didn't want to be shot for it because they got upset <laughs> oh, right. It's exactly the kind of group of people who are quite likely to get uppity and a bit annoyed. Yeah, you don't want to make um, the mafia look too stupid in the film. They just have to be a bit quirky and odd, not complete abject failures, or, or maybe you'll be killed. Because <laughs> and then but... at the same time, for the kind of like the the gangbangers who do like this sort of quasi. Japanese stuff where they've got the tattoos and they fuck around with a sword but they don't actually, you know You want to show them, look, Samurai Cord is interesting, maybe maybe get people who are interested in violence interested in the sort of history of Samurai like it could be like a little ah, oh, you like all this cool stuff how about you learn about it in a more real way, yeah? Mm. <laughs> pick, up a, pick up a, it felt at times like an advert for going to the library the, the amount it brought up books and how important reading was. When, you, when you're not murdering people for the mafia, maybe read a book. I think that's why I didn't take to it, maybe, is that there's this sense of putty-footing about it, where it's like, go all in or don't bother. This kind of like, oh, well, we're going to do it, but, you know, not too much. I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have wanted it to be a kind of Danny DeVito wise guys type thing, where it's just fucking knucklehead mafia. That would have done my head in. No, so. I don't mean that sort. Of, I think more. Uh, Ghost Dog himself was just kind of like. It didn't hit satire. It hit dull for me. Maybe. Also, if you call Ghost Dog and you don't come back as a Ghost Dog and reap vengeance, like sh- surely this, this I said it could have a prequel, but actually maybe there's a sequel where the girl sets up a, a new sort of family that are in charge of whichever area, and then she's haunted by seeing a Ghost Dog everywhere, which is the spirit of Forrest Whitaker <laughs> just uh, haunting them or something. Definitely needs more Ghost Dog in your Ghost Dog movie, I think. Can't call yourself ghost dog and not have a ghost dog. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. I still don't know. Mm. Anyway, we've 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 done it, guys. We've we've chewed over and spat out ghost dog, and you can make of it what you will. Um, but that was our what's the phrase? Two cents worth. Do we have a phrase in Britain? Two pence? Two right. pence worth. You won't get much for two pence. That's a couple of penny sweets. No change, take a penny sweets worth. Anyway, we're all going to go for ice creams now because it's made me really fancy a chocolate ice cream. And we're not going to waste the corn. We're going to eat the corn right to the bottom, aren't we, Abby? Ever so occasionally, I'll do this thing where you take the, the, the tip of the cone off, you eat that. And then you sort of push down the ice cream as you're eating it. So eventually it sort of peaks out the bottom and then you eat it from the other end. Yeah. Let's go buy some ice cream and (laughs) play chess and stare at Abby making an absolute spectacle of herself (laughs) as she tries to fillet an ice cream cone. (laughs) 
so weird. Ciao for now. Bye-bye.